idea of the world as illusion. They call Maya, M-A-Y-A. This is one of the most rich ideas that has ever been thought by the mind of man. Psychedelics, meditation, dream analysis, breath work, yoga, and weed. Finally, a podcast where two recovering Mormons, excuse me, two recovering Latter-day Saints, explore the pursuit of higher consciousness while healing from toxic religious shame. Welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. say that well the reason why i want to talk about dreams is i think there was a dream i had that relates to how i want to approach the podcast okay it relates to podcasting or to art in general and so i wanted to talk through that one yeah i'm all in for that man complete uh pod uh, doing a pod about dream and dream interpretation is right up there where i was kind of hoping we'd go so please yeah uh, tell me more well let's let's start with this one because well, just to talk about dreams in general. So I'd never, have you ever looked at your dreams before? Or not, not never. Before? Well, I, I, I rarely remember dreams and I can only, to be quite honest, I can only remember about three dreams I've ever had in my whole life that like uh-huh. were significant enough to stick out to me. And even them, I just sort of like have been dismissive. But since you've been into it lately through therapy, I have been really trying to like jot down notes when I'm in the, in between, be, between dream and fully awake and forgetting i've been trying to jot down notes i, I sent you yeah and if you can i think i want to talk about the one you sent too because um yeah if you if you jot down some notes right after you'll it's like an access point back into the dream and so yeah i'd always dreamed a lot throughout my life but i never i would always forget about it i would never write them down or anything and then i started seeing this therapist and after i'd seen her a few times she's like do you ever dream yeah i dream all the time do you ever like write them down? I'm like, no, never. She's like, well, I think you're going to have a dream tonight. You should write it down. That's what she said, right? Wow. And that night, sure enough, I had like this dream that was where I was visiting my younger self. And it was this very insightful dream about my relationship with my mother. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how did she know? Yeah. I mean, did she slip you some peyote or something like that? Like, how does she know? know? <laughs> I think I think in working with therapy for a while, she knows that when you've had some sort of a breakthrough or something, it's likely that that's gonna your your mind is gonna shift at night. You know, trying to integrate what you've just learned in therapy, or your subconscious is gonna integrate what you know your conscious is bringing in. So I think she she recognized there was a shift in that session, and I think she just is like, I think there's gonna be something tonight, and there was. And then I, I stopped doing it for a while. And then I had a time earlier this year where I had a lot of insomnia and I couldn't sleep. And 
I had actually went to the doctor to get Lunesta and I'd taken it a few times. And so then I went to the session with my therapist and she's like, so why are you, uh, let's talk about Lunesta before you go. She's like, I've seen the Lunesta commercials and it's like this butterfly and you're chasing this butterfly or something. I don't know if you remember those Lunesta I, commercials. I remember them clearly. Yeah. And the butterfly, it's fascinating because it's like a universal image for the psyche. You know, your psyche and going in a chrysalis and transformation and coming out a butterfly. And in that commercial, they're always chasing the butterfly. But if you're if you're taking Lunesta, it's gonna it's gonna affect your ability to ability to, to dream. And her belief is that in and I'm believing that now too, is that dreams are this access point to your subconscious. They can teach you so many things and help bring your psyche together. And so she's basically like, I don't think you should take it anymore. Your psyche is trying to tell you something. When you can't sleep, talk to your psyche, tell it to speak to you in your dreams. And then I started doing that and I've been writing down my dreams ever since. And they've been fascinating, just a fascinating window, similar to like what you get on psychedelics, but it can happen almost every night where you're just getting like this entry point into your subconscious where your subconscious is trying to show you something. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that, isn't that uh, like when, you know, we've talked and we'll talk more about DMT, but essentially DMT is what is releasing a lot of the imagery and the things that you're experiencing in that dream. Right. That's right. That's the, that's, that's the lack of DMT within, you know, that we produce. That's the lack of DMT inhibitors where our subconscious, we can tap into some of these, crazy images, things that were like, where did that even come from? But it's in there somewhere, right? Yeah. And when you start looking at it, you realize there's a wisdom to it. And I don't know what that is, where your subconscious, your psyche is giving you these images. And then when you start to deconstruct them and start to think about them, you're like, oh, wow, that's the perfect image. I don't know why it knew to give me that image at that time. Um, So fascinating. But so in this one I want to talk about today, so I was doing some breath work during the day. And usually breath work similar to, you, you kind of tap into your subconscious a little bit. And I had this feeling that I wasn't using my voice enough, that I need to get my voice out there. And one of the th- thoughts that came to mind was like, oh, just record a podcast. Oh, that's kind of silly. Or, that's fine. You know, I immediately dismiss it afterwards, right? <laughs> and then later that day, I was talking to you and we were re- recounting recent mushroom trips. And you're like, what I would love is just a podcast where we talk about our trips. I'm like, that's funny. I was just thinking about a podcast earlier. <laughs> so then a couple of days go by and I uh, was sitting there in the morning and was just realizing, you know what? If, what if it's a podcast where we just don't share funny trip stories, but we talk about healing and therapy and mushrooms and dreams and whatever, you know, whatever we're doing to heal from this religious past. And I text you about it and you were all in. Oh yeah. And I was getting excited about it. And then Later that day, the doubt started to creep in again, right? Could we really do something like this? And then this night, that night I had this dream. And so I feel like I'm before, talking be, a lot, but I'll, before I'll you, through, I'll, but go ahead. Well, I'll break it up because before you go into the dream, I'm going to add another layer or another wrinkle to this uh, feeling that you've been having about getting your voice out there. So my brother, who we both know, who lives far away from both of us, and I only... I talk to him pretty much every day, but I, I don't get to see him very often. My brother and I were uh, with each other recently, and we were kind of talking about um, uh, a get-together that you were that you were at and that we had a bunch of friends at. And out of nowhere, my brother says, you know, uh, I, this is going to sound really weird, but I have always thought that Jesse Swenson, 
That's you. Yeah, it's me. It took me a minute, but I got it. <laughs> I have always thought that Jesse Swenson has a perfect podcast voice. Now, that's pretty harmless enough and whatever and coincidental stuff like that. But that's almost spe- almost these specific words that I used when you and I were talking when I said, gosh, I feel like you have a podcast voice. I feel like I could listen to you and the the... the way you tell stories and the way you build and the way that you kind of the pacing of your uh, sentence structure, you have a perfect podcast voice. So there's something to this. Now with that, with that little interruption in place to kind of break up the back and forth, tell us about, tell me about this dream. Well, that makes me happy that he would say something like that. Cause when I yeah. listen back to it, I'm like, Oh, my voice sounds very nasally and whatever. Oh, no. but you know what? We're just getting, it's my voice. So we're going to, we're going to go with it, right? It's I your voice, voice and your dream. You, you felt you needed to get your voice out there. And voice this is out your there, voice. right? Yeah. And so I have this dream and I'm in my, it starts out in the bedroom and the location of your dreams is very important at the beginning. Cause usually it's, it's, it's a clue. Like sometimes I'll be in my parents' house. So it's kind of a clue that like, oh, this is about your relationship with your parents or your, uh, your parental influence that they had on your life, right? Yep. Usually when it's in my house, it's like, uh, this is your psyche. You know, this is a representation of your inner world right now. And I'm in the bedroom and the bedroom I feel like is probably one of the more core. I mean, you, ha- you have a home primarily for a bedroom. Right. And so I think, so usually when my dreams are in my bedroom, I haven't had that many, but it's like, this is like kind of a core part of your psyche right now. And I'm in there and there's a Latino man in there and another man. And this Latino man showed up a few times in my dreams. And (laughs) at first, like an element maybe of my shadow. And then now, I mean, he's kind of an attractive Latino guy, right? Which is good, I guess. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's in there and he wants to show me this movie trailer um, for an upcoming student film of his. So I'm like, okay, yeah. So he plays it. I think he has like it on an iPad. He shows it to me. And I'm watching this movie trailer and it's like this revolution is happening. And it seems like it's in a foreign country. It feels like a drama, but there's also like parts that are documentary on it. So I'll kind of go over the dream and then we'll, we'll analyze it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was like, wow, that was really good. You know, it looks really good. Like what, uh, this is premiering at the Venice Beach Film Festival, right? And he's laying down, I'm laying down and he's laying down on top of me and he's hugging my abdomen. And he, he says to me, he's like, you are ours, you are ours, you know that, right? And I'm like, "Interesting." What? Yeah, and I was like, what does he mean? Does he mean he can get me into the film festival? Like I can be his plus one? Like what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, you are ours. And then at that moment, my middle son comes in and looks at us and he's like, you guys are weird. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course I'm embarrassed. And so I'm kind of trying to dismiss it with some sarcastic remark. And when I'm doing that, the dream transitions to this country club I used to be, uh, go to growing up. I'm at this country club and I'm in this dark room and I'm trying to text my friend, Kyle. And Kyle is one of my friends who he's one of the most creative people I know yet. He, uh, he has no self-confidence. Um, he came out here to California for film school, created this beautiful student film. Um, and it just hasn't, you know, he just doesn't, he lacks that self-confidence. So I'm in there, I'm in this dark room and I'm frustrated with him. It's like, he's trying to make some art and I'm trying to give him advice. And I'm like, he, I, I was trying to teach him about this technique and he was saying that sounds too hard. And I was trying to text him. The point of it is it's supposed to be hard. 
Yeah. But as, well. I'm, I, as I go to text him that, he sent me this beautiful painting that he's done that um, I'm like, wow, n- never mind. This is like really good art. You know, maybe you didn't need the technique after all. Um, so as I'm trying to, I'm trying to be genuine with him because I know like I wanted to come across it like, no, I really believe your art is good. As I, And I'm struggling to find the words to text him. And then the, dra- tra- the dream transitions back to my bedroom. And I'm in bed, this time with a female yoga instructor who's shown up in my dreams quite a bit too as like this <laughs> as like this anima figure and we'll talk about yeah. this when we talk about dreams you know uh, one of the things that Jung would uh a lot of this is based in Jungian analysis right but what he, he believed is like you have this inner anima which is a part of you maybe if, if you're a male mask if you're a male it's usually a feminine person a feminine entity that shows up in your dreams as like this feminine part of you that you've probably shoved down in your psyche, but you want as it part to come of that, out. As part of that balance point in the, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. Yeah. And so usually it's parts of yourself and it, it, it reflects, it projects into our natural world and in who we're attracted to. So you might be attracted to a female and when you say, oh, what, what attracts me in this person? It's probably aspects of yourself that you want to come out more. And so when I think about this yoga instructor, she's very authentic and grounded and visible, right? Yeah. She's, when, she, when she goes out and she, she's just very present and being her authentic self in every situation. And I feel like that's an element of me that I want to come out more, right? And so I'm in bed with her and my kids keep coming in and they're showing her all this artwork they've done. And she, she gets really excited. You know, she's, she's so good with them. She's like, oh, that's so beautiful. And they're just like loving it and eating it up. And then there's a baby in there. And I think it's, it's another one of my daughters, but I only have one daughter in real life. And I can't remember the name of this girl. And I'm first I'm embarrassed because I'm, introduce, I'm introducing her to this yoga instructor. And I'm like, I can't remember her name. And I'm embarrassed about it, right? So I first introduce them and I'm like trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden it comes to me, oh, her name is Maya. And so I introduce her to Maya. And then I'm playing with Maya and the yoga instructor thinks it's so cute. And she's taking pictures of it, trying to capture the moment. And it was just this beautiful ending to the dream. And so that was the gist of the dream. So uh, I want to, let's break this down a little bit. But before we do, I want to say that... um, at, at some point there, you 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 differentiated between the dream and real life, rather than I think probably waking life because we're, I, I I don't think that you and I have the time nor the tools to get into a, a philosophical discussion about what is reality and what is real life. But your dream is a very real manifestation of your subconscious, and it's happening. It, it, it's it's a it, it's really happening, and whether this right now wake what we consider waking life is actually a dream versus the so i want to stay away from using the the terminology real life because dreams i've over the last little while that i've been tracking my dreams i have found a lot of reality in my dreams a lot of um truths a lot of things that were rattling around in my in my conscious, my subconscious, my completely unconscious, I've found a lot of things come to the surface. So anyway. Right. I, yeah. And that's a good uh, point. I mean, we call yeah. our, this, this earthly life, right? Or something. This, our, yeah. our, this earth school we're on right now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so break it down. Uh, what, what do you think? 
So you, you used you used uh, the example that uh, a, a familiar place, most specifically your bedroom, something that's intimate like that is a good jump off point. It's a good place to start uh, for dream imagery. But why don't you start there? Talk about uh, the Latino man who was uh, had you in his embrace, told you that you are ours mm-hmm. and wanted to show you art, wanted to show you something that he had created. What, 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 what's going on there? Yeah. So whenever I have a dream, I always wake up the next morning and go, what the fuck? That doesn't mean, yeah. what, what does this mean? It's but not a good dream to... unless you say what the fuck, right? I mean, I know, right? <laughs> if it's a dream about like, oh, I was eating a sandwich at my favorite sandwich restaurant and then I drank <laughs> Mountain Dew instead of coffee. Well, that's not a fucking dream. That's just like, that's right? just like a lazy person's <laughs> lack of creativity. Well, yeah. And usually it's like, the ones that I'm like, what the fuck are they're usually ones when I've broken them down have had the most meaning to me. Yeah. Because so you start and you start thinking of the images as they came. Like, what does the house represent? What does my bedroom represent? We, we talked about that a little bit. Like my inner world, my inner psyche, probably, probably some of the core of my psyche in my bedroom. So that's where this yeah. is happening. And then, so this Latino man who is a little bit of a, you know, you think of like a stereotypical Latino guy being very confident, very uh, suave. I don't know how do I describe Latino. Yeah, it just has that like span, like that swagger. charm, a little yeah. swagger, a little bit of that svelte and, and, and masculine, very masculine probably. Yeah, you know? uh-huh. yeah, like macho maybe even a little bit. Like, oh, uh, macho, better word. Um, you know, the, I think those are parts of myself that I've pushed down throughout my life. And so he's kind of helping me get in touch with that sometimes when he shows up in my dreams. And so he's showing me this film and it's a revolution. And I think what's that showing is like this revolution that's happening inside of me right now. This, this, and it's not just a small change. It's a big change. But my dream ego is like, it's kind of, it feels like a documentary, but it feels like drama too. And I think there's an aspect to that with me where I'm like, am I really changing that much? <laughs> right? How much of this is like dramatized and like fake. And it's like actors that are reenacting something versus actual footage, right? Right, exactly. Like, I'm real. I'm really analyzing my dreams right now. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? This is weird, right? There's a there's still yeah. an element of that to me. Or like, you know, during this time, I was doing this like 40 day Kundalini yoga sadhana and was loving all this stuff about. I was learning about chakras and uh, and there was part of me that's like, oh, okay, is this is this really real? What's going on here? But I was eating it up, right? Um, so he shows me that documentary or d- part drama, right? And I'm like this looks really good. And I think that's an interesting phrase. Like this, from what I've seen, this looks really good. Mm. So like, yeah, there's part of me that feels like this is drama, but from everything I'm seeing, all signs point to yes right now. Right. Yeah. And then, and then he's hugging my abdomen. Oh, and I'm like the the Venice beach film festival. Right. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know if there is a Venice beach film festival. Um, But when I think about Venice, Venice beach, it's not con or Toronto Film Festival, or a very prestigious right. thing, right? It's organic. If you go to Venice Beach, it's weird in like a keep Austin weird kind of way. You know, there's right. like all this street art and people are just authentic expression of art all over. And it's a little dirty. It's kind of crowded. It's But people are out there just showing their art in a way whether it's through skateboarding or street painting or uh, it's very eclectic. 
It's very, uh, yeah, authentic is a good word. There's not a lot of status that comes with it. So you mentioned Toronto, Khan, uh, Sundance would be another one. You know, Robert Redford's not going to pull up in a Tesla with Snoop Dogg riding shotgun at the Venice Film Festival, right? Right, exactly. Like in a place where it's just like people like, this is a genuine part of myself that I want to get out there. And so he's hugging my abdomen, which you could look at as maybe like the solar plexus chakra, which is like your confidence your you know expression of yourself um and it's also my abdomen like a baby like helping me give birth to this new part of me which comes out later with maya which we'll talk about but um and he says you are ours and i'm not fully sure what that means yet but and that's part of the things about dreams is like you'll revisit them and you'll be like oh that makes sense now you know or that's what this was telling me but right now, I feel like there's a part of that. What it means to me is like, I've always considered myself an analytical guy, an accountant, a finance guy. And in the recent like year and a half that we've been on this journey, I've seen this inner artist come out of me, whether it's through music, whether through expression. And I think there's something to that where he's like, you are ours. You know, you are, you are an artist inside too. You have this inner artist within and you need to see that. Mm, but then my, my, that. my son walks in on me and he's like, this is weird. And I try to dismiss it with some sarcastic remark. And that's important because that's what I do sometimes, you know, when I'm like, oh, wait, no, am I really an artist or am I, this is weird. And, or I'll create an art, I'll write a song or something and then dismiss it. Be like, oh yeah, this is just a song I wrote for therapy. But no, it's a, it's a a genuine expression of myself and I I shortchange it. Well, and even, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Even the fact that we're doing this I, we have multiple times, we, I, we don't know what's going to become of this right now. This is just two best friends talking to each other about their crazy journey. Right. Uh-huh. We, we don't know if we're even going to publish this. We don't know what's going to happen with it, but like even the fact that we're doing it is uh, there's, there's the part of me, the, you know, you talked about being like analytical, an accountant, a finance guy, you, you're pretty prestigious. You, I mean, we're, we don't talk a lot of specifics, but you're, you have a pretty prestigious job uh, as do I, uh, we're considered sort of part of our communities, that that real mainstream part of our community. And so even the way that we are dismissive of this conversation or of, or of, or of actually recording these and, and, and calling it a podcast, like how dare we, how dare we call this a podcast? Because that would entail like having, a, you know, a producer and sponsors and putting it on like a podcast site of some kind. But there's something real there because we do feel like, wow, look at all this healing and self-discovery and the, uh, pulling back the curtain of some of the tougher self-awareness things. Those by nature in and of themselves are very vulnerable and scary things to do. And I think your son is a real good representation of an extension of you that is analytical, that is cool. He's, he's becoming a teenager. It's like, yeah, what you're doing is weird. You and you yeah. and this Latino man <laughs> who are cuddling on your bed, watching a, a trailer that he made for the Venice Beach Film Festival is weird. But when we talk about it, right? First of all, my, we're talking about a dream. That's my first point is that we're talking about a dream. <laughs> Second of all, we're getting really into it because there's some really cool stuff that comes out of that. It's not embarrassing. It's not something to be ashamed of, but it's something that has been suppressed from us and pushed down inside of us. And I think a lot of people probably feel the same way because it's just not very cool or uh, it's not very like, um, 
gosh, there's a word that I want to use here and I, it's, it's, it's escaping me, but it's just, well, there, there's something out there about this, right? That it's we're woo-woo. Really it's, it, it woo-woo, feels very yeah. woo-woo-ish, right? And I don't know if that's the best yep. word either, but, and especially too coming from, because there's a part of me that as an ex-Mormon and believing in the divine before in my life and then having that crash down, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to be fooled again, right? I don't want to embrace so. something, you know, but this feels so different. Because this feels like, you know, and we talk about our experiences on mushrooms and stuff. It's, it's getting in touch with this inner world and, this, and you realize how deep that goes and how infinite it is. And when you start seeing things in your dreams where it's like, that's not coming from me. That's coming from a collective unconscious that even sounds yeah. more woo-woo. But it gets yep. there too. But yeah, I love that because when, when I dismiss that or when I try to make this sarcastic remark when my son comes in, I immediately transition to this country club. And one of the things you need to look for in dreams too is when you transition from one location to the next, what are you thinking of at the time? What, what sends you on that transition? And when I was dismissing this art, then now I'm in this country club. And when you think of what a country club is, oh, man. It's, all, status. It's, Shame. it's all status. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is, right? I yeah. mean, you might love golf, but you're not doing it because you're a love of golf. If you love golf, oh. you would just go play all these different courses. You're there for the status. Yep. And what you're, what you're showing. And so that puts me in that mindset where I'm like, it has to, I'm trying to text my friends saying the technique is supposed to be hard. You have to work for it. It's all about the status. Am I funny enough to do a podcast? Do I know enough? You know, can I get a lot of followers? Like the status part of it. Yeah. But instead this, this part of me sends it this image that's just like, no, I just created this art. It's beautiful. Like I wanted to share it to you. I didn't use a technique. The technique was too hard. I just sharing a part of myself. It just poured out of me. Yeah. Right. I, I opened up a vein and I just dripped, I dripped me onto this tapestry and showed you. I didn't. Yeah. Which really is what art that. is. Which you know? is all the art is. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm loving that art and I'm like, okay, I need to let him know in a genuine way. I need to let this part of me know in a genuine way that I really like it. And then it takes me back to the bedroom with this mm. yoga instructor. Yep. And then the kids are showing her art and she's just loving it. So if you look at the, the dream, there's a few different art pieces in there. There's the trailer at the beginning. There's the art that my friend Kyle sends me. And then there's the art that um, my kids are showing the yoga instructor and the different approaches to it. And she's just like, this is all beautiful. This is coming from you. This is just, it's a beautiful thing. And when I think about thinking of my art from the yoga instructor perspective, where it's all beautiful and it's a, an expression of me and we don't have to judge it. It's just, let's just get it out. And then, you know, if people like it, they like it. If not, they not, you know, but it's a piece of us that we're putting out into the world. Yep. And then the last part I want to talk about is my, cause it's interesting. I couldn't remember this baby's name. And this is where I feel like it gets into the, uh, collective unconscious a little bit here i say the word maya i don't know you know i actually know uh, a young girl uh, one of our good friends they have a baby called maya so maybe that's why it came up but if i look at what that name means there's a couple of different ways to look at it right there is uh in greek maya means confidence oh my gosh Anybody, right so this latino man has hugged my abdomen and helped me give birth to my confidence right well, I got the chills just having you yeah. say that. But then in Sanskrit, the name Maya in Hinduism is the power by which the universe becomes manifest, the illusion or appearance of the phenomenal world. Wow. Which is what we're doing in all this, right? Wow. Yeah. 
manifesting this world that we've gotten in touch with through our subconscious, through mushroom trips, through ayahuasca, through different means and manifest meditation. It doesn't even need to be the, you know, we, we're talking, we, we talk a lot about psychedelics and some of those things, but like even just the, you know, you talked about your Kundalini yoga, yoga, uh, 40 day thing. It's the meditation. It's the yoga. It's getting in touch with the self that we have spent so many years trying to ignore, push away and suppress. Yeah. I would also point out that Maya sound in English sounds like my mine me because you're 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 talking very much about the transition of feeling shame for liking art to actively participating in the creation of art to further generational extensions of you now embracing and wanting to confidently display their art there's something also with that little tiny river of art that runs throughout that entire dream as that consistent theme, there's something very beautiful about that. There's something very beautiful about self-discovery and awakening and and trying to uh, lean into that rather than avoid it at all costs. Well, I love how you said that too, because that's one of my things my therapist said too. You lumped onto the same thing she did was like Maya, Mia, Mia in, in like mine in- Mia Culpa. Spanish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in the beginning, you are ours, right? Is what the Latina the, yeah. would say. And then when I said in my, when I was writing up my dream, I remember saying, Maya is beautiful. Me is, I am beautiful. This, you know, it's uh, oh, I love it. fascinating. And then the yoga instructor is oh, taking a photograph of this, kind of like capture this moment, remember this. As this guide, I want you, to, I'm going to try to take a picture of you playing with this new baby you've created, whether it's confidence, whether it's manifesting this world, which is what art is. You know, you create this art that's coming from source, coming from inside of you. So you could say any art that's truly coming from that is manifesting this other world into this reality. Yeah. And I'm going to take a picture of that. So you always, you remember this moment because that's what you take pictures for, right? Well, and, and also you, you, you touched briefly on it, but even the, even the imagery of, of child, like a birth, of a newborn baby. There's a lot there about, uh, I mean, geez, you talked about to your friend that it's hard and there's pain from art. And then you're talking, now you're talking about this renewed uh, rebirth, this new version of self uh, that in the dream maybe is represented by uh, a little girl. And that's a good thing. There's, there's that artistic and sensitive and considerate side of, of you, of you that, is having this rebirth is having this reemergence, you know, I, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. You said birth too, because art is hard. Creating art is hard, but in a different way and not in a heady kind of way. I mean, it can right. be if we're stuck in our head where I'm like, in a technical, yeah. yeah, more in a way a birth is hard. I mean, I haven't given birth, but we've seen, we've witnessed it, right. That yeah. it's a process that your body's going to go through and yeah. your body knows when, you know, it knows when to do the contractions. It knows, it's still fucking hard to go through it and it's painful and beautiful. But I feel like that's, if you think of it, that process of art, it's so different, right? It's still hard yeah. and you're still like birthing this part of yourself out and it's uncomfortable and it feels constricting at times and it feels, and then you get it out and there's like this relief and it's like, Oh, this is what I birthed into the world. Immediate love as well. I also, 
making a baby is the easiest and one of the, one could say one of the funnest things in the world, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's really it. easy. <laughs> everybody, everybody can do it. Everybody has the capacity and the capability to do it. Now, when I say that, I'm obviously leaving out people that struggle with certain you know, infertility or whatever it might be, but humankind for uh, dozens of thousands of years have by instinct, by at a very deep level, without going to Lamaze classes and without learning, you know, reading how, you know, what to expect when you're expecting and, and without doing all of that kind of stuff, humanity has for generations naturally known how to create life, how to give birth to that life, and how to care for that life. And somewhere yeah. along the way, somewhere along the way, we monetized it and we made it a business. But uh, As we've done with everything, <laughs> but long, yeah, but long before we did that, we instinctively, ancestrally knew how to do those things. We're drawn to doing those things. The fact that uh, the fact that any woman would go through childbirth, the gestation period, the night, all that kind of stuff, and then the actual labor, the fact that any woman would even consider giving birth again, is a testament to uh, just how easy and beautiful and devastating and hard and difficult and painful that that really is. But that is the, that is the culmination of the best kind of art, right? Everyone, everyone who's gone through childbirth. Well, I guess that's everybody. Cause we all had to go slip sliding down our that's mother's true. vaginal canal in order to go through childbirth. <laughs> but everybody who's gone through it is pretty, I don't want to make general statements or represent anybody else, but most people are pretty much madly, unequivocally, unconditionally in love with that little tiny piece of art that they've created. And all they had to yeah. do is fuck. <laughs> yeah. <it>. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and do it's all it's yeah. Go through the natural, you said it better, but just, yeah. yeah it's fascinating. Right. It. And so is- I wanted to share that dream because whenever I get doubts about which of you be doing this, right. Where like we recorded the last one. I'm like, oh, it was good. But I was like, oh, can we do that again or not? And I get in my head, I think back to the yoga instructor and this desire to get my voice out there and create art. And this is a form of art. And I think back to that. I'm like, no, let's get on and let's record something. And, And I think approaching it in that way, in this genuine way where we're birthing ourselves out, whatever we do with it, like I, that's the way I think it was a, a map for how to approach this. Yeah, it's probably going to be gross and weird and, and it's going to s- smell funny at times and there's going to be like blood and shit everywhere. But I'm enjoying <laughs> I'm enjoying having this conversation. I want to also like completely change the subject and ask you a quick question. So when you were talking about uh, uh, parts of you, especially being an ex-Mormon and a lot of the Mormon parts of you have suppressed a lot of this stuff, what happened to Mormonism? Because the reason, the reason I say that is Mormonism, with all of its faults and, and with all of its like uh, polygamy and pedophilia and misleading history and all that kind of stuff, Mormonism is built on the concept of some pretty rad psychedelic experiments, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. We're talking about visions and dream interpretation and being visited by, uh, by angelic entities yeah. and there's all these like real cool things that were happening during the early days of Mormonism that are now not only like kind of laughed off, but shunned, shunned in today's uh, Mormon culture. 
Yeah, you Where don't have like, that. You don't have those experiences. You don't go up and yeah, speak and, in tongues. And like, yeah, and why the hell not, man? Like, why in the hell not? Why aren't people having these incredibly sacred uh, spiritual experiences with? I, I mean, there, there, there are there are the kind of spiritual experiences that are acceptable to have: the feelings of the spirit, uh, seeing one of the three Nephites. Um, having, <laughs> having an answer to prayer and, and fasting and praying about like getting some kind of like revelation or having like the sick healed or something like that. Like there, so there are some like within supernatural, the uh, you know, experiences that are acceptable, but within some pretty uh, tight boundaries. Well, and those right? boundaries have been more and more constricted as it goes along. I feel yeah, like they get smaller the, and smaller. The church that, uh, our parents grew up in and our grandparents grew up in very different even, yeah. you know, then, and what happened to it? I think uh, that's a good question. And there's probably lots of things, but one of the things that when it started to be more about the organization and I don't, yeah. you know, and that's been more, and you've given birth to this entity, right. That now yep. needs to survive and feed itself. It becomes its own thing out there. Right. Yep. With, um, and you think about, like everyone working in that organization now, it's all just about to keep that organization intact and fear-based and like keeping people in line. Um, that's a good question though. Like yeah, I mean, what did happen to it? Because I feel like, can you imagine if people were still having, you know, just going up and sharing, Hey, I had this, I had this dream the other night and I had this come up and how beautiful is this? And, or I had this experience on mushrooms or something, you know, or, Oh, the heavens were open to me and I saw, you know, people can have experiences like that where you're, you're getting in touch with this sub, like what, what we're, we're talking about now. And Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon's accounting of their vision of the kingdoms of heaven, of the celestial kingdom, the, the telestial kingdom or the terrestrial kingdom and the telestial kingdom. And then, of course, outer darkness is thrown in there. Their their account of that vision is one of the best trip journals i've ever read in my life i mean they're they're <laughs> seeing all of these they're seeing the roads paved with gold they're having heavenly visita- visitations they're seeing ghosts and it used to be a really cool haunted spiritual world where what that mormonism was was created in you know the occult was really strong and and this idea of uh you know gosh joseph is out working in the fields and he had the you know he was up all night chatting with moroni and so he's kind of tired. And so he feeling befevered and unwell, he, he gets dismissed from his farm duties and his dad <laughs> later finds him like passed out near a fence. And, you know, Joseph's in just like this hallucinatory state. Well, shit, man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I've been in that state where I had to go find a fence and sit by it and feel like I was fevered and having dreams and having a weird time. Great. I'm in. Let's do this, Joseph. Let's compare notes. Like, let's compare our travel notes here. But now if you talk to a Mormon about that, my version of that story is fucking insane. But the Joseph Smith canonized version of that story is holy writ. What the hell happened? (laughs) What happened? Well, you know what? One of the things I think you can think about is you have like these experiences, like the Gnostic experience, the lived experience. Mm. Or going off someone else's experience, right? Going off Joseph Smith's experience, going off Jesus or, you know, these whoever, people throughout history have gotten in touch with the divine, with source. And 
I feel like when they do, whether it's an archetypal person or whether Jesus really existed or something, they're trying to teach people, hey, this is what I saw. But people need to be having those experiences for themselves too. And I know we say that in Mormonism. We're like, oh no, you need to know for yourself. But you need to know more than just like, praying and getting a little tingle feeling right it's a a lived experience you know you need to once you live stuff i don't know if and so over time the more people that don't have a lived experience with source and you're just relying on other people i think it can get corrupted and it was even getting corrupted at the time right if you're oh connecting with source and then using it you know for polygamy or for money or you know, you're going to corrupt it. Um, well, and creating, it's funny. Cause like I, with all the experiences that you and I've had together and, and apart and with others that are within this community of, of, of psychonauts, I, I've never felt like some sort of like hierarchy. I, I've never felt like someone's trip was more meaningful and therefore held more sway or more powerful than someone, uh, you know, a lower level uh, traveler. But within Mormonism, they created this hierarchy where even at the time, people were like, oh, yeah, same. I had a vision and here's what happened and here's my dream and here's who visited me. And it was immediately cut down and said, well, no, that was the devil and it was evil spirits and it was the third of heaven that was cast out. All these demons running around. You are in the devil's grasp and you and you can't have those kind of visions. And that exists today. People can still receive personal revelation. They can still receive, you know, revelation for their family if they're in the right pecking order, if it's the patriarch, if it's the matriarch, you know, whoever it may be. But but you can't have, and to touch to what you were talking about, the collective consciousness, the shared, the shared uh, human, I wouldn't even say human, the shared existential experience that's frowned upon because you're suddenly infringing. It's something very American about it. Some very American constitution about it, where it's like, no, you're, your visions yeah. have infringed on someone else's visions and therefore are going to be thrown out of court or, or unconstitutional according to our sacred documents. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, man. I like the hierarchy. It's interesting because I, I compare it to like, so, you know, we did ayahuasca a few weekends ago, right? Yep. And then afterwards we had a share circle where everyone went around and shared their experience. And it was great to share. It was beautiful to share. And I learned from everyone's experience what they had. Everyone had a very personal experience, but also a collective experience. But I like how you said that. I wasn't like, oh, wait, uh, shaman or you, like why your experience was different than mine. Like my, you know, which one trumps the other? They all added to each other and none was, none was better. None was more. It was just, but I love that sharing at the end. And because we all learned from each other and shared our own journey as well. And there wasn't this yeah, hierarchy. Too. It wasn't a contest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, it wasn't a who's who's best at ayahuasca contest. That I didn't. I never felt that at all. I, I felt I felt this real connection with everyone there. People who were strangers to me, less than you know, twelve hours previous, I had deep love for them. I, I was I yeah. was like like my whole the whole of me was reaching out to them to embrace and to hug and just let them know. That, that they went through something with me and, and I went through something with them and that their experience was so magical and, and beautiful for me. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing when it, it, I don't know, I can't, I can't make heads or tails of it, but it, it, it's a weird thing when we get into this 
it's a contest and there's rules and there's a hierarchy and there's people who are more powerful and there's people who should be the ones who tell us what uh, our visions are and what our dreams are. Well, and it feels like it feels like it's done that so much throughout history. But do you think it oh, can yeah. be different? You know, like if you think of even Christianity in the same way or other religions, Buddhism, you know, you have someone connect with source in some way and teaches people what they and then people rely on him or they create an organization or hierarchy from it. And is this what we're just going to keep doing as humans? Or is there something different about this now? Yeah, there's collective experience. I like the way you're describing that because there is something very, we, we seem to seek out a monarch in our lives, whether it be in the home, in the workplace, in, in government entities, in church, uh, even if, even, even like, sh- gosh, going shopping, going to a, there's, we seem to seek out the, the power structure and therefore be subservient to that power structure, which I don't quite yeah. understand. I, I don't. I don't understand how someone who the job that they do makes them more money, so I should defer to them. Or a person was elected by consensus of the people, or by majority consensus of the people, and therefore that person is now more valuable and and more insightful and more powerful than the people. That's. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into some real bullshit stuff right. here, but like, it, 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 like it's it's real. It's a real trip It's something for to me, think man. about though, right? Is there something within us that we keep, we're going to keep doing this cycle or I don't know, there's still, still something different about, and I think we're in an interesting wave where as this plant medicine becomes more available and more recognized, I mean, I don't think it's going to get stomped out again like it did, you know, in the sixties and seventies. Um, yeah, I agree. And if it connects humanity more collectively together, will we get in a spot where, you know, we, we, we can change the structure. I don't know. Maybe that's down the road, but where we can have these experiences, share them with each other, not create this hierarchy, not try to do it to sleep with women or uh, make money or get become money, a profit, yeah. you know, just be like, look, I've got, had this experience. I had this dream. It was beautiful. I want to share it with you. I had this trip. This is what I learned. Oh yeah. I had this trip. You know, we just share and I don't know, does it sound too... And love, and love dippy? each other. And love. Maybe it is. Maybe we need a little more hippy-dippy in this world. Right? <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. want to talk about your dream real quick to top this off? I wanted to... How are you doing on time? Well, let's... I got I to gotta probably get going. I mean, we're at... It's been an hour of, of talking as far as by the time we got my headset figured out. Um, let's just save my dream for the next time we talk and we'll, we'll, sounds perfect. we'll break that down. Let's just pepper. Let's just let, let's just keep these things going, man. I love them. I love it, and I think I think they're good. They're good. They are Maya. good. Yeah, Maya, Maya is beautiful, man. Maya is beautiful. <laughs> just think a little Maya. And we're doing Dude, this. I want to get a shirt that just says Maya is beautiful. beautiful. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to just send you a shirt. I love it. I think that. it needs to be more than a shirt, though. I I hate t-shirts. Tattoo? All right. Maybe a tattoo. Of Maya. Ooh, a tattoo would be pretty cool, man. I like that. <laughs> All, All right. right. I love you. Much love.